Welcome to Libre Lounge, a podcast about free software, free culture, and all the other interesting aspects of user freedom. With Christopher Lemmer Weber and Serge Broklowski. Hey, Chris. Hey, Serge. So, we're doing something exciting this time, which is that we are starting a multi part series, starting with this episode about Federation, Activity Pub, and we'll, I think we'll probably touch on Sprightly a little bit during that too, but just sort of giving a, a nice, comprehensive look at the Federated Web, Activity Pub, and specifically a project called Review Pub, which I will be working on with, you know, kind of in real time. So the idea here is that we'll talk about, we'll explain what Federation is, we'll explain what Activity Pub has to do with Federation. And then as we explore these concepts, I'll be implementing those concepts in a program that I'll be writing. But before we get into that, let's, let's talk about Federation. Let's define this term and what we mean by it. Right. Because uh, Federated, Federation gets thrown a lot around a lot as a term in our space right now. And I think maybe not everybody completely has a vision of what it means. They like, probably have like a gut feeling. It would be probably useful to, to define it. And, and should we start by trying to throw out an, an initial rough definition? Or should we just give some examples first, do you think? I, I think we can make like a really rough uh, idea. And so the way I think about it, and maybe this is a good way to explore it, is just to, for us to talk it through, is that if you have different organizations or entities and they can talk to each other and exchange information between each other in some way, and they can work together um, in a way that's seamless to the person using it, and it just, it just, kind, of, just kind of works, right? Where you don't have to think about the fact that it might be two different organizations or three different organizations all working together. It just kind of, just kind of works. Would, would you say that's, that's right? Right. And we can think about, so in nine, none of those end up being the central authority of those organizations communicating with each other. So like each one of them is kind of in its own right, its own organization it's own um, little kingdom, right? Like, its own like, little kingdom, but each one of those kingdoms can speak to each other. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense. So, this makes I think more sense when we think about federated services that we already have. I think there's we can talk about non-internet services that we have, and then it's some internet services. So, so I think the oldest federated service that I know of, at least, would be the post office, right? So, if I send a letter to from I live in the United States. So if I sent a letter to China, I put it in my local post box or maybe even outside my house and it gets taken by my local post person and they sort of magic happens, right? And it goes from my post office somehow to China and and it gets delivered by the Ch- by the Chinese post. And I I don't pay the China Post. I pay, you know, I put a stamp on it from my post office, and it just kind of works. It's ma- it's like magic. Yep. And uh, and we somehow those organizations are able to speak to each other. I think that and kind of coordinate the routing, right? So, and I think that another really old one that that you and I are uh, well that everyone in is pretty familiar with is actually the phone system, right? Like even in the U.S., there's 
multiple phone companies that speak to each other. And then when you branch out further than that, internationally, there's multiple organizations that need, uh, there's multiple countries that even have their own rules and, and kind of patterns that need to be able to speak to each other. Yeah. When, when I call someone, I don't think about what phone company they use, right? I just, like, I make a call and it goes out to another phone company and it doesn't matter what your provider is or even what country you're in, right? It, it, you it might, all you just kind of works. You might worry about how much it costs, but that's kind of out of the scope of this episode. But in terms of its function, right? I, I don't need to have I don't need to have a corresponding phone for every phone company that I want to call to, right? right? So, so if I call you and you use a different provider than me, I don't need to have a separate phone. You know, it's like, oh, well, do you have a, you know, a Verizon phone and an AT&T phone and, a, you know, and, and maybe a, you know, if, if you're in another country, you know, France Telecom phone, right? I don't have that. I just have my phone and it just works. Right. Um, and I, so here's where I feel like maybe some of our listeners will feel kind of a weird disconnect if they've been listening to a lot of the the discourse around Federation where they're like, well, but this doesn't really sound like kind of what we're talking about when we've been talking about Federation as in terms of like the Fediverse, right? Because it doesn't feel very democratic, right? Like the, and a lot of when we're talking about the Feder, like the the Fediverse or the Federated Social Web and, and you know, the Federated Internet, we're we're thinking much more democratic. And uh, a really classic, um, you know, like when you say democratic, when you say democratic, well, I, I think there's a, a really small distinction between democracy and the idea just, and I think when you say the word democratic, you just mean everybody has a place at the table, right? Like we can all communicate with each other. Like we're all on level playing field, right? Is that, is that, is that right. accurate? Okay. 90s vision of the utopian internet, right? So, and so like, Email is a really good example of this because you and I can't set up a phone system, but you and I can run our own email servers. Well, we're, and, we're geeky enough we could set up our own phone system. But yes, we can e much more easily set up our own email servers. Right. And so, and, and you know, I even do run my own email server. And, and it's, it's great that I can communicate with somebody whether or not they're on, you know, Gmail or if they're running at a university uh, email server or, or all those types of things. And and email has a lot of interesting aspects uh, uh, to its federation but that we're not going to go into. But really, that you get the core idea there is that to the user, there's not a lot of thought about where that other server is. They just have an address. They send a message to that address, and, you know, and, and it should just work. Yeah, magic happens, right? Like, if you're if, – if I'm on – uh, if I'm on one, if I'm at one university, I can send email to another university. I can send email to a company. I can send email to you know a big email web provider. It all doesn't matter. It just it just works. And and that's the I think that's the 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 idea here is right is is as a regular person you don't need to be thinking about that. I think that, I think that's for me the biggest uh, definition here. It's like well it just works. <laughs> right. So. We've had other examples of this. Uh, we we had XMPP, also known as Jabber, in I think the the you know aughts or you know like the two thousands with the zero zeros. You know the uh, that was really popular as a way to be able to send uh, instant messaging in general was a really popular. Yeah, thing. it was like it was so at the time. Right, everyone was using AOL Instant Messenger or ICQ or MSN, and they couldn't talk or, to each other. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was it was terrible. It was very much like you know having to have, and so you'd you'd end up either running, 
you either run multiple clients or you'd run a special client that could talk to all the ones. But it, would, it was basically like having a whole bunch of phones. It'd be like having, you know, 10 mobile phones. Well, because some of my friends are on one place and some of my friends are on another place. And, uh, and this idea of, of Jabber was, well, hey, we'll all just talk on one system. And it was, it was really cool. It's, it's still around, right? But it's not as popular as it was, but it, it's still around. And it was, it was a wonderful example of federation. Right. So then we come to the web. And uh, there have been a number of protocols in this place, the space, you know, historically O status and stuff like that. But I think what we're going to focus on in this series a lot, and we will talk about the history of, you know, the Federation and how we got to where we were. But we're going to talk a lot about ActivityPub, which is, I think, you know, and, and I have some bias in saying this, uh, I think is shaping up to become uh, currently kind of the the main standard bridging together uh, a bunch of federated social web server so it, yeah th in the same right. way that, mean... that you and i that you just said that in the xmpp in the instant messaging days you had to have all these accounts on aim and icq and stuff like that and they couldn't talk to each other and then yeah. jabber would let you instead bridge all these different things together uh, activity pubs kind of the same thing why should you have a separate twitter from a separate facebook from a separate blah 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 you know, all of these things should be able to speak to each other and no single company should be able to control it. Yeah, I agree. So ActivityPub, I mean, there, you should say why you're biased, right? Because you, you were on the standards committee that created this standard. Yeah, I was on the standards committee. I am both co-author and co-editor of ActivityPub. And we'll get into the history of that in a future episode. And, and maybe we should say, so, well, I mean, and we said that we're on this, I was on the standard committee and why, why does standard committee why is that important right why is we standardized a protocol um but you know why why does protocol tie into this yeah we should say and really all a protocol is is it's a i mean we we use protocol in the computer world a lot but protocol is just a it's just a it's just an agreement right it's 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 like a contract it may not be a legal contract but it's an it's an understanding of two or more parties on on how they're going to do something, and earlier you know I talked talked about the post office right, but there's a postal union that all these different post offices around the world subscribe to, and they say yeah we are all going to work together, and they set things like addressing standards and they set pricing and other things. I don't really know how the phone system works, and I should also mention this might be a little too geeky, but. The internet, right, is, you know, the way we use the internet is also, in a sense, federated in that there are different ISPs or service providers. So if I'm using my mobile phone and I'm using the web through, say, T-Mobile, and I want to talk to a server that's at a university, right, it just kind of works. It just, it just ma magic stuff happens and I get to go to the web and or if I'm at home and I, I, I use Verizon for as my ISP, uh, I can contact Google and it just kind of works or I can, you know, I can contact a server that you run again. It just magic happens. And, and that's through this understanding, this contract that in the internet for, for just the internet protocol, it's just called internet protocol IP. Right. But, but the core of that is this understanding that we're all going to, comply to the same standard we're all gonna gonna work together a standard has been set and we're all gonna comply with right it. if i share these you know five 
bites with you that are, you know, and I share it. If, if I'm handing these five bites with you to you, which are intended to do this part of our communication, you, you, then you, I really should have some expectation that you understand what to do with those bites. Right. Um, or if I'm sharing some sort of message, you, with you, you can assume, you can assume that I will. Right. Because we both say that we're going to implement this protocol. Right. So when, when, and when I say that, um, when we each say that uh, implicitly, I don't think we're going to speak it, right? But if our two computers say, oh, I speak this, and your computer says, oh, I speak that, right? You just, you don't have to worry about what I know. You just go, well, you know, Serge is going to, Serge's computer is going to understand this. And similarly, I don't have to know, well, well, what does Chris's computer know or not? It's like, okay, Chris's computer said that it will do, you know, it'll it'll follow the standard. Right. So, so, so yeah, I think that's, that's really... Protocols are plumbing. Yeah, exactly. Are plumbing. You shouldn't yeah. have to. The, you shouldn't have to know. Most users of plumbing don't have to know how the massively complex system of pipes works when they turn on their faucet. Right? They just turn the handle and water comes out. Right? But yeah, but, exactly. but some people, you know, plumbers do have to think about that. So yeah. So we're going to get more into this. So this is intentionally a ten thousand foot overview. Uh, we're, we've been talking about making a whole series of these and getting into them in future episodes. And in fact, uh, okay, Sarah, I'm going to toss this to you live on the air. Uh, you said, well, none of these should be more than 20 minutes each. We're under 20 minutes with this episode. So, so what we'll do, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break and come back and talk about uh, this project idea that I have called Review Pub and what we're going to do with it. Okay, sounds good. All right. Serge here. We thought we'd use these breaks to thank the people, organization, and projects that make the show possible. Starting with Audacity. Audacity is really central to the show's production. I use it to bring all the pieces together, to edit, and eventually to encode the show for release. So it's pretty central to my workflow to make sure that this show gets to everyone. So I want to thank all the Audacity contributors and everyone else who makes uh, Audacity possible. So thank you. All right, that was a nice break. (laughs) Yeah, back for the break. Um... Um... (laughs) Why don't you start? Okay, okay, okay. Well, you know, it's a break, so so we're a little bit discombobulated. We haven't done breaks before on this show, so, you know, uh, usually we just run full speed ahead. But but you wanted to talk about something uh, called Review Pub, which you've actually been speaking to me about for quite a while. Um, why don't you explain what your idea of Review Pub is to the audience the same way that you've described it to me? Sure. So um, I have this two-pronged... Uh... I don't want to say problem. I've got this two-pronged idea. So ever since you and I started talking about ActivityPub, which has been, uh, I guess, about a year ago, I've been thinking about it and interested in it. And recently, I've thought about the this problem about online reviews or reviews in general. And I think that we can converge these two ideas together and make something that'll be interesting to other people. So... Why don't we start with um, the problem of reviews themselves and the problem that I've seen, I've, I see and I've seen for a long time. So 
Um, when I first got interested on the internet, I was very interested in this idea of democratization and getting away from control by big organizations over you know, what we thought and what we saw and what we bought, right? The idea was, well, in a, you know, in a democratized world, um, you know, advertisement could still exist, but it, it wouldn't be that influential. But that's not what we see today, right? What we see is that um, advertising is, is basically how a lot of the internet is funded, which means it must work. And, and if we're getting that kind of influence, that means that we're not getting a truly uh, unbiased idea of products and services. So a number of years ago, I thought about how I would implement this or how I would solve this problem. And my first, my initial thought, this is a long, long time ago, is I'll just make a website, like a blog, right? And I'll just start listing reviews of products. And that was, was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't that useful. And I kind of put the idea away. And then a few years ago, I, I kind of had the same idea and it wasn't quite there, but we come to today. And today we've recognized problem that reviews online while useful are, are very problematic. So you have these companies that exert a lot of control. So you can pay to be, you know, you can pay to have bad reviews removed or a lot of companies will pay people to make fake reviews. And there's a lot of scams out there. And so you can't really trust online reviews, which tells me that there's a problem that we need to solve. And in an ideal world, I could trust my friend's reviews, right? So I'd say, hey, you know, what's the best uh, widget to solve this problem? And I'd ask all my friends and they'd say, this is my favorite widget. You know, Sprightly Sprockets is my favorite widget. And I would take their information and I would, you know, maybe some of them would like one thing and some of them would like another and I could compare and contrast. Um, but you can't really do that online, right? The reviews are, are focused and concentrated into these information silos. So anyway, so let's go back a few years. Um, I tried to use this uh, web concept called microformats that was really popular. And it was the idea was that you could just kind of add some invisible HTML to your web page. And this invisible HTML wouldn't be viewable to a regular person, but the computer would understand it. And I thought, oh, that's perfect, right? I'll just add some, some magic, you know, sprinkle some magic dust on my um, website, my blog, and, and there we go. But then I ran into this problem. And the problem was that somebody who wants to collect a lot of information about me and my purchasing habits could read all my online reviews. So they could say, well, gee, Serge tends to buy this type of food, or he tends to buy these type of products. And they would get a lot of information about me. And, or, you know, they would, and they could con collect that information without my approval, without my say-so. And I didn't like that idea. And I said, well, there's sometimes that I want everyone to be able to re read my review. And there, sometimes I, maybe I only want to review something for my friends and family or, or some other group. So that wasn't going to work because there wasn't going to be an easy way for me to make those distinctions unless everyone signed up for my website. And, and then you know, we kind of go back to the same problem as these big giant sites, right? So what I want is a review site that is federated in the sense that I make a review and I can send it to either everybody or some group of people. 
and they can send me their reviews, which they can, they can either make public or sub or send to a subset. And I thought, oh, well, ActivityPub can kind of do most of this for me. Um, it, it, it's got most of the pieces right here. So I thought, well, why don't, why don't I start implementing this? But why don't I implement it along with the audience? And that way we can kind of, people can see how this technology gets built. How do I build a whole service using um, these tech, you know, using ActivityPub? And so uh, I'm going to use regular sort of off-the-shelf parts here. I'm going to use uh, Python as my programming language, which is a pretty universal, easy to understand programming language. I'm going to use the Django web framework, again, because I want it to be something that's pretty accessible and easy to understand. And I'm going to implement this initial version just using standard ActivityPub. No, no weird extras, nothing. And then I'm going to, I'm going to expand it and explore it and, and kind of see how far ActivityPub takes me. And I'm lucky because I've got Chris who, you know, helped write the ActivityPub standard. He was on the committee. So he has an, un, uh, an understanding of the, the technology in, in, the, in a kind of a more abstract way, and, and, but yet also a more deep and rich way than most people do. So I've got, I'm really lucky. Right, but we're all going to benefit because we're all going to benefit from the knowledge that we'll gather together by extending ActivityPub to make this review site and and trying something kind of cool out. What do you think, Chris? I mean, I think it sounds great. I really like the idea of doing this exploration on the air here and getting, you know, hopefully uh, as we explore it, we can we can help uncover, you know, maybe what some of those pain points are that people walk through, you know, some of those pain points might not just even be technical, but just coming to understanding of some parts of the specification where it, it's just not obvious that, that, you know, that there, there is something like that for this reason. So, so I think that's really great. What, do you have any idea of like what the kind of milestones are that you're thinking for this? Or do you think we're going to yeah. find that out as we go? No, I, I've, I've got really concrete ideas. So the first thing is, I don't want to do all of this on this show. So I think what would be best is if we kind of covered a topic or a couple of topics on a, an episode. And then I go off and do on my own. I'm, I'll make like a video series or something else. I've got some of the code already written, and, but, um, but basically I kind of do my own thing. And we'll link to the two so that if you're watching one, maybe the video series, I'll link to the, the, the episode of the podcast and the podcast can link to the to the episode of the video series. I think my first one is just going to be cover some of these really basic concepts and uh, like this idea of like, well, what, what is an actor, right? What's an object? What's a verb? And I know those are a kind of base level concepts, but they're core concepts in activity pub. And then from there um, we can get into the idea of, you know, notifications and HTTP signatures and, and all, you know, all of that, and then inbox and outbox and, and how all that fits together. And then once all that's done, we'll have a working service, right? It'll be a toy. It's not going to be something that people are going to run in production. I'm not making the next Mastodon or, or pixel fed or anything like that, but, but it's something that will, that will function and you could download and run it yourself. But the, then, then we'll go ahead and we'll start to extend it and we'll make, you know, we'll make review pub specific features and each of those will really start to push the activity pub standard and, and show, you know, 
how you can build something new and interesting with it, not just take it and build the same thing over and over, right? We're not, we're not just building another, you know, if you look at, if you use Mastodon, you might think, well, okay, ActivityPub is Twitter. But no, it's, it's far more interesting than that. It's far more rich than that. And I think we can, we can explore those concepts by, by playing with those edges. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of funny timing, right? Because, uh, you know, in the last episode, we mentioned Sprightly and how uh, I'm launching that project uh, as kind of, as I've described it, trying to kind of level up ActivityPub in the Fediverse. And, uh, and we were like, well, we'll, we'll explore it along, along with as I develop the Sprightly demos. And I'm, I'm sure some listeners may be like, well, wait, why are we going to be doing both of these things? So what do you think, how do you think those episodes are going to be different from the Sprightly episodes? So when I think about Sprightly, and, and look, I've never looked at your source code for Sprightly. I haven't looked at Gollum at all, but there's a few, there's a few things. Sprightly is really awesome, and I'm super excited about it. It's kind of out there, right? It's, it's kind of like you're building a whole world, right? You're building a whole new way of thinking about ActivityPub and the Fediverse. Like it's, it's completely new and unexplored and exciting. What I'm trying to do is, is a lot more grounded. It's, it's built in hopefully stuff that we mostly have now. It's something that is a little bit easier to understand, and I'm building it in technologies that are I don't want to say more accessible because I think I think Racket is accessible. I think it's it's not that hard to learn, but more people. I think this is fair, right, to say that more people know Python than know Racket. Yeah, and I agree I with can, that. And I can ma- and I think people that don't necessarily know Python, maybe they know Perl or JavaScript or Ruby or C or C plus plus or Java. So any of those kind of any of those kind of mainstream languages could look at my source code and be like, oh, okay. Whereas I think, and I might be wrong, but I think your source code is going to take a little bit more knowledge and, and understanding for, for, for the average uh, developer. Well, I think at the, I, I think it is true that Python has this reputation that it's fairly gotten about, about looking like pseudocode, right? Like the code that you actually look at looks very similar to the code that you might just you know, right out on a whiteboard. Scribble on a napkin. Yeah, yeah. A scribble on a napkin. Right, which is which is why you know uh, many of us love Python for that that feature, and uh, and so I think that that makes a lot of sense, and and I think that you know more than just a link. I I don't think Racket's that hard to learn, but it's not familiar to people who have not worked with you know parenthetical languages before. I also think that if you're reading the sprightly stuff. You're not just getting a introduction to ActivityPub. You're getting a okay. Um, here's how to take ActivityPub to the next level, which means that you know if you're if you're not there yet, maybe it's uh it, it may be a little bit trying to take things to the next level when you're when you haven't you know gotten past level zero quite yet. Uh, it might not be quite time for everyone. Yeah. I, I also think there's an opportunity. Look, um, at FOSDEM, you said that you knew of 50 different server implementations of ActivityPub. And that's that's amazing, right? But but even with 50, there's a whole lot more right, that, that could be out there. Right. Um, and so the idea of, of ReviewPub is like, okay, well, let's, let's build yet another. Maybe we'll build number 51 or 52, right? But that somebody who's not me 
could could pick this up and be like, oh, well, this is simple. This is easy. And I can go and build this other application that's not, you know, it's not the, as out there. It's it's maybe something, you know, I, and I haven't, you know, I haven't thought of it yet. So I don't know what they're going to come up with. But I, I, the idea is really to make something that's a toy, a demonstration for the average person. And because of that, I'm not going to be using a lot of complicated add-ons. I'm not going to try to, it's, it's not going to look too pretty. It's not going to be, you know, it probably is not going to be production worthy, but I hope that it'll cover enough basics that just the average person will be able to look at this and go, oh, is that all? Like, is that all this, is that all that's required of ActivityPub? Um, and there's one other little piece, which is there are ActivityPub examples out there and like ActivityPub uh, sample libraries or sample programs I've seen online. And a lot of them are unfortunately incomplete. So they're, they're, they're technically ActivityPub, but they don't do everything that you would expect an ActivityPub server to do. So for example, they might not, they might not handle incoming data, right? So they may not handle being able to receive information from another person, or they may not do a validation. So making sure that, that the message comes from the, the, the entity that it says it comes from, which is part of ActivityPub. Or maybe it doesn't do the notification stuff, right? It doesn't do the sending part. Well, those are all important. So this will be a fully functional ActivityPub server and, and then a little bit more. But but staying really, really slim and staying really simple is a teaching tool. Okay, that sounds really good. So it sounds like we have, you know, a fun number of months ahead as uh, as we explore these things and as you uh, start pushing out ReviewPub and uh, and we also start conversing about Sprightly. So yeah, and we'll keep we'll keep doing other episodes. Like this is not going to take over. This is not going to be you know the ReviewPub activity pub Sprightly show. Right. This we're still gonna I mean, we still have so many other important free software topics to cover and think about and discuss, but I do think that this is gonna be really exciting and fun and I'm really looking forward to going on this journey with everybody. Yeah, it'll be a fun sub series of the the of the of Libre Lounge. Yeah. All right. Well I think I think that we've we've uh, covered a lot. So I think it's time to wrap up uh, and um, just remind everyone that we have our email address, which is podcast at LibraLounge.org. We have an amazing IRC channel on Freenode, which is uh, hash LibraLounge. We are, we are, of course, on the Fediverse. We are at the LibraLounge at floss.social. And we are also on Twitter. We're at LibraLounge on Twitter. Think, oh, and of course, LibraLounge.org is our website. I think that's everything, right, Chris? Uh, I think it is. Uh, well, all right. Yeah, we're we're wrapping up episodes. People have been asking for shorter episodes, and some people have been asking for longer episodes. But today we're delivering on the shorter. So let's end now while we remain in that category. Sounds good. All right. See everyone next time. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Libre Lounge. You can find and subscribe to us at LibreLounge.org. This podcast is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. Our theme music is Bossa Nova by Joff, which is waved into the public domain under CC0 and which you can find on opengameart.org. If you'd like to support Chris Weber's work on this and other user freedom projects, you can donate at 
patreon.com forward slash C-W-E-B-B-E-R. Thanks for listening. See you next time.